You're listening to the Ricky Long podcast. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, part of the reason why road cyclists don't like indoor cycling classes or standard indoor cycling classes is because we fluctuate our cadence to create the workout. So, if you think about your RPM hill, for example, you're using the music, you're riding on half the beat. So, if the music's 128 beats per minute, you're probably riding at 64 RPM on the beat. Mm-hmm. Realistically, outdoors, you're trying to keep your cadence the same the whole time, probably yeah. closer to 80 or 90, mm-hmm. um, or whatever works for you. But um, so a lot of cyclists don't understand the benefits of that. But the funny thing is, if you if you start reading more about cycling and um, training with power, and you know how the Olympians train, like they train at lower cadences and, and higher cadence. You know, um, take Victoria Pendleton for example. I listened to a podcast she was on. Um, and like she was talking about how she hit 300 RPM, and I'm like, holy moly! Like that's twice as fast as I've ever gone. Um, yeah. But you know, she, she if she's riding out on the road, which she doesn't do anyway, but she's a track cyclist. But if she was riding out on the road, she's never going to ride at 300 RPM. No, it doesn't mean that she it doesn't mean that she shouldn't train there. Um, you yeah. know, there's guys a lot smarter than me who who would say. Training at different cadence levels is really good. I mean, if you can work hard at 60 RPM, then that makes riding out on the road at 80 or 90 RPM feel a little bit easier. Is that not what training is about? Is that not what training is designed to do? You know. Um, but in saying that, you know, actually now in my classes, because I train with power, I don't really. I'll I'll tell people where I would like them to be with regards to cadence. Um, But I'm not going to be that fussy. So take for example my class last night. I said, guys, we're doing one minute on, one minute off. Really simple class. Um, I want you to try and keep your cadence the same during recovery as work. So you're just going to use the resistance to increase the work um, in and around 80 to 90 RPM. But wherever you're happy. But if you'd have looked in through the window, I mean, there was one girl doing 60 RPM. Um, there was people doing 110 RPM because that's where they're comfortable. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. Welcome to another episode of the Ricky Long podcast with me, Ricky Long, and soon to be joined by Glenn McCready. This episode is sponsored by the GFI The Online PT course, Body Core Training and Podium for Sport. The GFI The Online PT course now going into its third month, so September will be the third month. FYI, we have had 39 people go through it. We have had 39 people start to earn money and create online businesses for themselves in many, many different ways. And that's my course, which I created over 28 days to take and leverage your group fitness business into an online PT business. Um, FYI, a little bit of a scarcity shout, and it is this way because Well, we've got success stories now and we've changed a couple of things to make the course better. And one of the other things we've changed is the price is going to change in September. So right now, the price in August is going to remain this until August. September, April, June, November, all the rest of 31. Yeah, so 31, 31st of August, the price remains what it is now. If you want to find out more information, give us a shout. Um, you can do it now for just 195. 
five and you can do that in monthly installments or you can pay the full shipping up front. Secondly, Podium for Sport, Northern Ireland's sports retailers of the year continue to just be fucking awesome at supplying the fitness industry with kit, whether that's a fitness industry in commercial gyms or people's home gym equipment. Um, they've just been phenomenal the whole way through COVID, so shout out to Lisa and Craig and everyone there. Um, check out their website, check out um, their, what's that, social media platform, Instagram and their Facebook uh, to see the current days. I know they actually just got studio boards in at the time of board, so you know, like, Body pump bars, um, yeah, so we got them in. Uh, they'd be really, really cool, old kind of style weight slide on the end. So, what I'm trying to say is, they're not smart bars, they're the original type body pump type studio barbell type based equipment, and they're for less than 100 quid. Um, so that's decent. Body core training, if you are a fitness professional or you want to become a fitness professional, then check out body core training. They help people become fitness professionals by providing them with certifications, qualifications, level twos, level threes, and all the supporting qualifications around that. Um, what you can also do because because you listen to the original podcast is uh, you can do the mindset success course for free by clicking the link in my show notes. Yeah, right. We're going to chat with Glenn McCray. He's just about to come on the podcast. Really, really excited to chat to Glenn. Glenn is a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. And Glenn has been in the fitness industry for a long time. He specializes in indoor group cycling, both taking of the classes and training other instructors on how to do it. And I know the conversation's going to go down there. He's had to pivot his business the whole way through COVID, which uh, is really, really interesting. He has been on, I want to say twice before. Like we've done a main episode with Glenn and he did one of the coffee episodes. Um, so we have had him on before. I'll put them in the show notes. And um, when he comes on, we'll do the standard introduction. You can get to know Glenn just a little bit. Speaking of which, Glenn has just popped into the waiting room. So I'll just invite him in. He's joining, he's joining. Hey mate, what's crack? Hello Richard. Hey mate. Just, just so you know, the new way I do these podcasts is like we're live and recording now. Oh well, hi. Yeah, like we're, we're straight in. So is, is there anything you do or don't want to talk about where I'll like quickly hit pause and edit shit out? No, I think I'm good. I'll just try not to say tit bum fart sex earlier poo. Yeah, try not to say them. Try not to say them because we like it. This is a PG podcast. Okay. You're in the van in here? Oh, oh, oh. This is the office. <laughs> this is the office. Do I need to turn my phone sideways or is it okay like this? Um I turn it sideways because I'll rip the I'll rip the TV and then put that on social media to promo to promo your face. Oh no, I, I didn't realise I was having my face on today, otherwise I'd put my mask on. Well, we're not, the, the TV isn't live now, the TV will go live when I do the promo, so I'll, I'll take some of that. Okay. You can put your mask on, is it because we're only a, a, meter, like a centimetre apart on the screen? Yeah, yeah, we're not socially distancing here. <laughs> um, what's the chat, what are you up to? Not a lot, mate. I, uh, you'll hate what I just did, I just went in to look at a new set of golf clubs, and I know you're not a fan, so yeah, I didn't buy them though. Yeah, it ruins a good walk. It does, to be fair. Well, what do you look for in golf clubs? Like, because I like, I'm Um, the one. Like, what do you look for? If I'm completely honest, I don't know. I have no idea. I just, 
uh, the last set I bought a couple of years ago, I didn't go in, uh, like I went at the bottom level. And now that I'm playing a little bit more, I feel like it's time for a bit of an upgrade, but I don't know what an upgrade is because I'm still crap. So do you get, do you get all new golf clubs or like just half a set or what? Um, well, I have invested in a, in a driver. I did that last year uh-huh. and a new putter last year. Um, and they're super expensive. Like they were more expensive than the rest of the clubs. How much is um, it? So um, 350, I think I paid. But like if anybody important is watching that doesn't like to know what I spent money on, it was like 50 quid. I got a free inside of Kinder Egg. So, yeah. But, uh, do you know what? You know me, Ricky. I'm just so gullible. If I think it's going to make me better, I'll buy it. And then you regret it after. More golf now, just because like COVID's coming out the other side, and it was one of the first things to open sport-wise. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's quite social, even though you can keep your distance and stuff like that. It is quite social. Um, I, I so. disagree entirely. But, you know, <laughs> well, it depends on what time you you spend in the bushes, whacking the, the the ball out of the bushes, and screaming sort of rude words. But I'm getting remember, to the point where I can. I remember when I was younger, like. Well, I had a couple of friends who were good at golf, and we went golfing. Um, I want to say it was Mount Dover up there, yeah. yeah. And went round the golf course, and I remember after two or three holes, and I, I actually wasn't bad. I was one of these. I'm one of these annoying people where when I play a sport, any sport for the first time, my start point, I'm like above average. I'm not saying I'm yeah. good, um, but I just remember hating the life. And I remember thinking, I was probably 18, 19 at the time, I had the Peugeot 206, I remember the golf clubs being in the back of it. I remember thinking, see, when I'm really old, like at about 30, I'll probably start to get into golf because I'll be more mature by then and I'm still waiting for that moment. Yeah, but you do other silly things like swim in the sea. Yeah. (laughs) There's actual sharks in there. (laughs) So on Sunday, two of the boys were in and they were swimming beside dolphins. Oh wow! Yeah, like dolphins That's came cool. and swam beside them for they, they think it was about ten minutes. That's awesome. I mean, you pay a fortune to do that in Florida. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that. Although <laughs> it is a bit warmer there, but still, it's not worth yeah. the extra money. Yeah. That's class. Uh, right, let's uh, let's give people a bit of chat about you. Who are you? Who's Glenn McCready? I know you've been on the podcast twice before. Twice before, yeah. Yeah. Um. So you've probably done longer introductions in. So like, who who is Glenn McCready? Go. Okay, well, third time lucky on the podcast, so maybe people listen to this one. Um, <laughs> Glenn McCurdy is a Northern Irish fitness entrepreneur. I, um, or, or at least I used to be pre-COVID. I have much out about that later. Um, I'm a master educator for stages indoor cycling. I absolutely love and thrive on the education of other instructors. Um, and I teach indoor cycling only. That's it. So you said you were a fitness entrepreneur before COVID. We'll talk about that shortly. Let's talk about that presently. Okay. Um, Do you know what? That was very dramatic. I'm still an entrepreneur. Um, But if I'm honest, what has taken me probably 10 years to build into an incredibly successful business um, took five months to take me back to the start. Um, I'm in the process of figuring out if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. Um, I I mean, I had a lot of what I did. Obviously, I'm in the van, um, the office, as I call it. And a lot of what I would do or had been doing was taking my bikes to corporate venues and running classes for corporate customers, which was very lucrative. Um, and I absolutely love doing 
but right now <clears throat> nobody's working in offices everybody's working from home um so to to get that corporate gig back up and running i would have to go to each person's home which just isn't possible um so so right now we've hit pause on that but as i said i, I don't i'm not thinking of it as a negative i'm thinking of it as a positive because it's allowing me to get back to the focus of running indoor cycle classes a for the love of it but also um for the community and ultimately that's why i started my business so yeah you said there about um stages you're a, a master trainer for stages so there'll be a lot of people listening to this and oh stages so stages are those bikes we use in les Millsland that like look yeah. like, like small spaceships um yeah, so cool. you you go one step further than just using the stages bikes for les mills class um so tell yeah. us what you do in stages land okay so stages um basically stages are all about power now we've kind of um, diversified a little bit from that and we also offer um, other training offerings like um, party on a bike style classes um, but ultimately we're sort of our foundation is on training with power um, or power as they like to call it in America <laughs> um, so basically I mean for the Les Mills guys you'll have heard the, the term power thrown around specifically in sprint classes um, but ultimately we use training zones um, established by an FTP test, which is functional threshold power. In other words, how powerful you would be over a 60 minute period on average. Um, and there's a little test that you do. Well, there's actually loads of different versions of the test um, that you do to establish your FTP. From your FTP, then we work out um, your seven different power training zones. And then we train specifically in those zones. So think about heart rate training for those guys that understand that. Um, but instead of having five training zones that you would have with the heart rate, uh, we have seven with power. And the reason we would focus on power more than heart rate, heart rate's great, but it's more of a reflection of what happens when you train, whereas power is instantaneous. And so therefore it's perfect for training here and now, if that makes sense. Would you say that style of training is, um, is it performance-based or is it, aesthetic space so i would make the ar argument that say the majority of les mills classes are fitness based aesthetics based yeah. um would stages uh, be different to that um so i guess if i'm honest right now most people who are training with power are athletes so your triathletes your iron man yeah. um cyclists but our whole mission is to try and change that um which is something i've done very successfully in my classes um, my guys absolutely love it, but it's it's about how you coach. I mean, and the effort that you're willing to put in. Mm -hmm. I spend hours um, mixing music and writing my classes. And I, I'll use the term RPM style because I think your guys will understand a little bit better. But um, think standing seated, fast, slow, um, and I'll still use music in that way. But I'll now adapt my music um, to suit certain training zones, and my class will be the sort of profile of the class will be dictated by what I want them to do. So for example, um, if we were training in powers in seven, which is neuromuscular power, all out effort, um, the maximum that you could really hold that would be like um, 30 seconds. So if you're going to work that hard for 30 seconds, realistically, you're going to need more like three to four minutes of recovery to be able to repeat that effort. Um, so, I'm going to have to factor that into my class. So it's not just a case of going ball speed for 30 seconds, 
then 10 second recovery balls deep for 30 seconds um because using power training that's not necessary or not possible um if you're using heart rate training that's possible because your heart rate's going to obviously yeah. respond to that um so that that's the main difference i guess so yeah i tr- i try to bring power training into my standard classes it's been very successful so far which is which is great i like obviously you've been doing this for a while and i have had zero interest in bikes in general for um 34 years of my life and then but not anymore yeah i've got a bike i have spent every penny that i've earned during uh lockdown i've probably spent on my bike um i've even bought a shed like i'm, I'm i built a shed in it that's awesome you're so grown up Ricky. Like, I, I, I you'll be playing golf thing. before you know it <laughs> i saw this brilliant meme is like you'll start with a bike and then like you'll need a bike room in your house because yeah. there's just so much kit. Like my shed is packed out with just the most random kit. I bought um I bought new pedals and nice. uh, shoes yesterday because I was just using um just because I had them the the Reebok shoes with yeah. like, Studio SPDs are they called? Yeah, yeah. So I've now transitioned to road shoes and road road pedals, which I need to install yeah. today, which nice. I'm very excited about. Um, so the where I was going with that is like I would love to do some actual proper training with you yeah. on a stages bike like i remember when you um hannah and a few of the other ones from david lloyd's were doing the uh 60 minute tests on the what yeah. bikes at the front i was before they had the stages bikes in i would love to do that now i'd learn so much yeah you would um the, the thing about it is it takes all the guesswork out of your training um mm-hmm. so you you basically once you establish your ftp your power training zones the, basically, the only way to in, become a better cyclist or more powerful is to train in and around your FTP um, over and above it. And essentially, like any kind of training, whenever you um, sort of overload, when you work above it, it makes working below it easier. So mm-hmm. take your Saturday cycle. Um, so what, what are you doing at the minute, like 50, 60 miles? Um, yeah, so s- Saturday tends to be two hours, and then I'll do a one-hour like on a Wednesday or a Thursday. So that two hours is generally 50K. So I'll, I'll average like 25K pH, just depending on the route. I don't know what that is in miles. Yeah. In miles. No, I'm you don't try- anymore. Once you're a cyclist, you work in kilometers. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm that's trying to get, because I know if I tell you my, my watts from Your Strava, watts. It, it'll give yeah. you some nice information. So where's that? August 13th. When was that? No, that's the wrong day. That's the wrong day. Right. So if I bring that up, this is brilliant for the audio listeners. Um, it said my average power <laughs> was one twenty-seven. Okay. So obviously, average power when you're out cycling. Um, I mean, so first off, um, the reason why I love stages is because it's really accurate. It's like it takes the measurement straight from your foot into whatever um, console you're reading it on, and it's like super, super accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, Strava works slightly different um in that obviously it doesn't have a, a measurement tool so it's working off the speed that you're traveling at versus the gradient and it's working out now i'm not saying it's really inaccurate but um it would be more accurate if you were working with a specific power measuring tool so in other words a, a, um, a power meter yeah. but so what that strava will do that'll take into consideration um how hard you're working obviously this is the beauty of average and also when you weren't working so hard, so when you're rolling down a hill, um, sort of gasping for breath, 
on the other side. So your your average, even though we would go for average of FTP being the main sort of measurement, your average when you're out cycling wouldn't necessarily be something that I would focus on a huge amount okay. um, unless I was pushing really, really hard the entire time. Um, because I, I think ultimately, I mean, not for take for example, I, I've done a few um, sessions on the bike. Um, my average watts have been 120, 130, but the whole goal of that session was max watts. So my max watts might have been a thousand watts for 15, 20 second sprint. And then after that sprint, my watts could have been five or six because I'm dying, yeah. literally just turning the legs. So what, I, what it depends on the goal of what your workout is, whether you're going to look at your average, whether you're going to look at your max, mm. um, what you're going to look at. But ultimately, the, the beauty of watts is that it gives you something to work off. So if you were to do that same ride again and you go faster, your average watts will be higher. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So what, what I did, I mean, I have a power meter on my bike, but over lockdown, whenever I was out on the bike, I didn't really train with power because I just kind of wanted to have fun. Um, and also because I'm training with power indoors, if I'm outside, I just kind of want to enjoy the scenery. So little rides that I would do, I would, you know, cycle for an hour, for example, and then turn around and try and beat my time home. Now, that would be a fairly flat road. So obviously mm -hmm. that makes it a wee bit more fun. Um, whereas if you're climbing lots of hills for an hour, you're going to be faster coming down the other side. So, You know what I discovered? It's a fantastic way to trigger people. So since I started posting about Strava results and all that, you, you, people start to gravitate towards you, um, you know, and people who know a lot about cycling. And I discovered this, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. So somebody complimented me on one of like my first rides. And I, and I just wrote back, you know, they say, say they say, good job. And I said, good job for your first ride, whatever. And I said, cheers. You know, I'll put my years of spin classes and RPM classes down for having a good base. And I yeah. triggered that person something shocking. Oh, road biking's completely different. You can't compare indoor to outdoor. And I was just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what's funny? Actually, if you think about you know, you and I come from a, a world of indoor cycling or, or indoor training. And it, I mean, you know now it is different. It's very different. Um, but there's a crossover, right? That's that's where indoor cycling comes from. And our big thing with stages was always to try and bring outdoor cyclists in. So from a business point of view, think about it. Outdoor cycling, even still right now, but over the last five years, uh, maybe even longer, 10 years, has been the number one sport outside of soccer in the UK. There's more money spent on cycling than there is any other sport. Believe that. Right? So from a from a business point, yeah, I know you would. Um, from a business point of view, then if you run an indoor cycle studio, they're the people that you want to get in. The people who will spend, you know, £6,000 on a bike that's like one tiny little bit lighter than the bike they used to have yeah. because they believe that'll make them faster. You know, um, take you, for example, you upgraded your shoes partly probably down to peer pressure of cyclists, but also because your new shoes will be lighter than your old shoes. Um, you'll produce slightly more power through the wider cleat than you would have mm -hmm. through the, the smaller cleat. So you're, you're sold. Okay, great. So all I've got to do is change my shoes and I'm going to be better. Um, but our challenge is always trying to get outdoor cyclists to come indoors because ultimately they're the dream customer. Mm -hmm. um, that said, we'll talk about that in a little second, actually, if they are or are not the dream customer. Um, so we want to fill our studios. It's that simple. And if we can bring those guys in, then perfect. But they don't believe in indoor cycling. 
they just don't and like i think more and more now because of power training indoors we're starting to people are they recognize stages as a brand for example because they make power meters and they'll go right there's something to that let's give it a, a rattle so again you know the last three or four years since i had stages flight system and stages bikes um i've had more cycle clubs than ever more triathlon clubs want to come in and try it and and, and train with power for maybe a six week or 12 week block uh, which is something i'll probably miss out on this side of christmas with covid but i'll be ready to hit it hard on the flip side of christmas said there which i think is interesting you'll have a lot of like seasoned cyclists who you just can't get on an indoor bike and it reminds yeah. me of in the swimming world like in the open water swimming world you've got the swimmers who will go in in just their speedos and you've got yeah. the swimmers who will go in in the wetsuits and see and see if any of the, these fuckers are listening see the ones who go in and just their speedos they yeah. think they are all powerful and almighty and they look down on the likes of me going in beside in a wetsuit, is is it kind of same in the cycle world? Yeah. Do the outdoor cyclists yeah. look at the outdoor cyclists who then use an indoor cycle class and tell them, what are you doing? It's not real. Yeah. So um, this is a, a fun little story, but I I was always an indoor cyclist. I mean, I, I've had a bike since I was two outdoors. Like I think most people have, but I was always, but I started an indoor cyclist as an indoor cyclist. Um, my uncle um, gave me his old road bike because he was a road cyclist he's like I think you'll enjoy cycling come out with me sometime but uh, just so happened two days later there was a charity cycle from Belfast to Dublin and there was a couple of um, outdoor cyclists who'd been doing my class in Dromore Leisure Centre who said to me and one of the other instructors Claude um, come and do it bet you guys can't keep up it's so different so different and Claude and I who'd never been on it Claude went and bought a bike and we'd never been on a road bike properly the two of us raced the Dublin to prove a point, to be fair, um, but like we kicked their ass, and the reason we kicked their ass, and I'm, I mean, I, I ride differently on the route now, but at the time I was like, this is like an RPM class. Every time I hit a hill, I'm up out of that saddle, racing to the top. I don't care if I'm dead at the top. Yeah. I'm going to beat you there. And now, granted, we had planned a big night out in Dublin, and when we got there, I was found sleeping in the bath like two hours <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> so, so I did die, but there's definitely definitely a crossover that road cyclists don't appreciate but if you see guys who've taken up cycling after regularly attending indoor cycle classes they are a strong cyclist to begin with they're in a good place so it's beneficial i don't care what anybody says i mean even from the from the heart rate point of view if you are used to training indoors on an indoor bike and you go outdoors your heart's going to be fitter and stronger than it would be if you hadn't been so this is it. This has been what my I want my training to look like. I want to get out, even when it comes into the winter. So we're, you're at a disadvantage anyway in Scotland and the UK because you know yeah. come October November it can be quite difficult to get out on the road. But anyway, I just want to say I want to get out on the road twice a week and do two indoor sessions a week. And in my head, I was just thinking I'll do a mixture of because um, we have them in the gym. Um, you know the skill bikes by Techno Gym. We, yeah, have demo. We, don't have, we don't have stages bikes um, and we've got the watt bikes. So we'll do a mixture of the preset programs on them and, of course, jump on to an actual spin bike and do like yeah. RPM or sprint because I know yeah. that will cross over and help. And it's the analogy of, like, if you're an Olympic weightlifter, body pump could have some benefits to doing that once or twice. Of course. You know, a month yeah. because it'll give you that different element of training. Is it going to help you? Hit a one rep max on the platform, probably not. Is 
an RPM class going to help me go from Belfast to Dublin um, any faster than I did last week? Probably not, but it's it definitely a training tool. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, part of the reason why road cyclists don't like indoor cycling classes or standard indoor cycling classes is because we fluctuate our cadence to create the workout. So if you think about your RPM hill, for example, you're using the music, you're riding on half the beat. So if the music's 128 beats per minute, you're probably riding at 64 RPM on the beat. Mm -hmm. Realistically, outdoors, you're trying to keep your cadence the same the whole time, probably closer to 80 or 90 um, Mm -hmm. or whatever works for you. But um, so a lot of cyclists don't understand the benefits of that. But the funny thing is, if you if you start reading more about cycling and um, training with power and, you know, how the Olympians train, like they train at lower cadences and, and higher cadence, you know, um, take Victoria Pendleton, for example. I listened to a podcast she was on um, and like she was talking about how she hit 300 RPM. And I'm like, holy moly, like that's twice as fast as I've ever gone. Um, yeah. But, you know. She, she, if she's riding out on the road, which she doesn't do anyway, but she's a track cyclist. But if she was riding out on the road, she's never going to ride at three hundred RPM. No, it doesn't mean that she. It doesn't mean that she shouldn't train there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's guys a lot smarter than me who who would say training at different cadence levels is really good. I mean, if you can work hard at sixty RPM, then that makes riding out on the road at eighty or ninety RPM feel a little bit easier. Is that not what training's about? Is that not what training's designed to do? You know, um, but in saying that, you know. Actually, now in my classes, because I train with power, I don't really. I'll I'll tell people where I would like them to be with regards to cadence, um, but I'm not going to be that fussy. So, take for example my class last night. I said, guys, we're doing one minute on, one minute off. Really simple class. Um, I want you to try and keep your cadence the same during recovery as work. So you're just going to use the resistance to increase the work, um, in and around 80 to 90 RPM, but wherever you're happy. But if you'd have looked in through the window, I mean, there was one girl doing 60 RPM. Um, there was people doing 110 RPM because that's where they're comfortable. Yeah. Honestly, does it bother me? I didn't lose any sleep over it. Um, so, you know, but they still got their workout. So I think uh, real cyclists have forgot that it's okay to have fun when you're mm-hmm. working out. And, and, and isn't that what we're all about? Like indoor instructors, we're, you know, group fitness instructors, we're about bringing the fun to a, a training program, which is going to make people want to come back and do it more and more. 100%. I, w- I was told you don't qualify to be an outdoor cyclist until you can single-handedly, while you're riding, like literally with one hand, um, peel a banana and eat it, and then put the banana skin back in your, your little sack. And um, like, that's when you qualify as a cyclist. Can you do that? Um, so... I uh, am famous in the Les Mills office um, because my <laughs> boss at stages bullied me into uh, doing the Les Mills charity cycle from coast to coast. Uh-huh. And on day one, a dog barked at me while I was fixing my helmet and I fell off ah! um, and, and tore my rotator cuff and um, cracked my collarbone. So can I peel a banana while cycling? I don't know. I wouldn't try it now. Um, uh, and to, to make matters worse, so I brought Hannah and another guy, Graham, with me on that cycle. And on day two, Hannah was like, oh, Glenn fell off on day one, got loads of attention. Day two, I'm going to completely bin myself. And she smashed through a wall, down 15 oh. foot, and and then got up and laughed it off. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so needless to say, um, 
the Les Mills guys uh, did not invite us back the following year. <laughs> I'll stick the indoor side on, I think. I I did the one I fell off my bike um, my first fall. I was at traffic lights and I couldn't unclip my feet. And I just Brilliant. fell. <laughs> how, how funny is that when it happens? Though? I, there's a guy, I, I'm always encouraging my guys to come to my class. Like, come out and do a wee Saturday cycle with me and get a flavour for what it's like on the road. So one of my mates, Murph, who he'll not mind me saying, he's like 23, 24 stone, um, big lad, but started coming to class and you know he knew that some of us went out and he's like, I want to go out cycling with you. First time out, cleats clipped in, you know, and we got to the bottom of the road, stopped, and he just went, boom, and the, like the whole earth shook there, love him. He, <laughs> and, and he was mortified, but I was like, well, now you qualify as a cycler, you know, once you've had that fall. Thankfully, there's no cars around. Um, uh, but yeah, listen, see, when I did mine, I was um, I was obviously at traffic lights. There was oncoming traffic, obviously all, all um, stopped because it was a red light. So many people waiting to cross the road, and it was so far. It was with Gareth, and he started pissing himself laughing. Um, so did everybody else once they realised I was laughing because it was okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And they were just I, I cycled home the whole way home. Must have been about. 45 minutes from there and I was just giggling myself like a little girl it just was yeah. so funny <laughs> it, and it's the fact that there's nothing you can do about it and it's just like boom straight over it's, you it's go down amazing. in stages, <laughs> in stages. <laughs> it's oh it's brilliant I, I wish I had a white Gareth out there that would have been even more enjoyable <laughs> he was on ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> um this might kind of almost bring us back to you know what's what changes um, thinking about the fitness industry itself, so you know, fitness industry has been back open of sorts in Northern Ireland now for a month or so. Um, so, like, I've, I've seen loads of stuff on social media. I've seen socially distant classes. I've seen adapted classes. I've seen some gyms functioning as if there was no coronavirus. Um, yeah. So, just kind of, what what changes have you seen? What changes have, uh, have affected you? I know you spoke about your corporate gigs. Obviously, it's probably the first thing that springs to mind, but. Well, you know, yeah. what general changes? Um, well, I mean, because I work, I teach in community centres generally. I mean, I do teach in a couple of gyms as well. Um, but the, the bulk of my business is in community centres. So, um, and because they're council run, we've had to be quite strict about the changes we put in. Um, for example, our bikes are three metres apart. Um, and that's what UK Active recommended. So that's what the council gyms here went with. Um, whereas you go to a gym down the corner, um, you're lucky if the bikes are a meter apart, which is, which is funny because now that makes me feel anxious and it never did before. Um, but I think I'm more anxious because, well, I don't want to get sick, but also I don't want people to come to my class to get sick. Um, mm. Even the guys I don't like, I don't want them to get sick. Um, even the guys that ride at 150 RPM, if you <laughs> ask them to add resistance on. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I... Um, changes I, I think people's mindset has, has changed as well I think the diehard guys were so keen to get back and it's funny because I know that you and I had discussions about this on Facebook and I was always playing devil's, devil's advocate um, because I didn't know that the industry was ready to get back and I think in many ways I've been proved wrong in some ways I've been proved right you know some gyms as you said just reopened didn't do anything more and those kind of gyms are full because their members are people who aren't bothered. Um, but, you know, the likes of um, the corporate gyms here, I think, are going to struggle a little bit because 
the age of their membership and they're more wary about um, returning back to the gym. You know? Yeah. My biggest problem with the whole thing, and I'm still saying it for Scotland, is you can't brand all gyms with the same rules. Completely. If you t- like, if everybody just listen to this, if you picture a CrossFit gym, CrossFit gyms have been practicing social distancing since they were inceptionalized, and yep. they have small classes, and they ha- most of them will have shutters, so there's fresh airflow anyway. And yep. how can you compare that to one of the big commercials? You know, let's just use you know a pure gym for example, yep. where all the machines are so tightly packed together. There's one way in, one way out. They're in closed spaces, but there's a fingerprint to get in. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. How can you compare them? So that's that's <clears throat> been my biggest thing about it is, and especially, you know, again, this is me getting a bit personal. Is some of my values are about local businesses, and these CrossFits are essentially local businesses, and these yeah. these people are losing houses. Whereas if you do compare that to big commercials, people are happy enough to be on furlough and. Yeah, well, that's why I'm, I'm looking at it from a couple of different points of view, and you know the science is still there. There's no absolute proven evidence to say a gym is more dangerous than a pub in terms of getting coronavirus. Um, yeah. there's theories to go both ways. Uh, do you know, so locally, obviously, and I'm sure you're seeing this in Scotland as well. Um, there's a lot of restaurants now, like having to close for a few days and reopen. Um, the media here are almost. I feel bad for those restaurants because the media are, they're maybe not trying to purposely attack them, but they're certainly doing it. Um, you know, I can think of one restaurant in East Belfast. There's two branches and the one in East Belfast closed down and the media reported that the one in the city centre had to close as well. You know, that's going to have a negative effect on how people feel about going to that restaurant. Yeah. Um, we haven't had that so far in gyms, but I I suspect it's probably not too far away as people start to go back to gyms. Um just to come back to your point with regards to CrossFit boxes and um, even cycle studios and things like that. I I 100% agree. Um, That said, I love being part of the fitness industry and I love all the different elements of it. And 90% of the time I love to be tarred with the same brush as everybody else. So I do sort of feel like, well, if they weren't ready to open gyms, we should all sit back. That said, if you were to ask me where I would feel the safest training, would be definitely like a CrossFit box or uh, a studio. And I think about even, you know, likes of Belong or a privately run fitness mm-hmm. facility where, um, you know, they have to be on their A game. They can't afford to make mistakes because it, it is just around the corner before somewhere closes or has to close to do the deep clean and, and tell its members, you know, go home and stay at home for 14 days. So, yeah, I think it, it is unfair from a, from a local business point of view because I think the local businesses are going to be the ones that suffer big time. Uh, it is. I don't know if you've seen it in Scottish football. Um, obviously, Celtic are basically in quarantine right now. Um, yeah. One of their players didn't quarantine properly from an area. And Aberdeen, a couple of their players caught COVID. Um, so the the analogy is, you know, once that happens, you know, let, let's let's you know, just because we both know it, I'm not having to go at them. Yeah. We both highly respect like David Lloyd's Belfast. They would maybe yeah. have four or five thousand members, probably one thousand swipe ins a week, whatever it might be. And like yeah. if one of those tests positive, you know, that's one thousand people who there's going to be what's the word like we're probably pandemonium in the media. Yeah. Just saying like there's been an outbreak in this gym, 
you know, all their members can't go out if you've been speaking to their members in the last two weeks. If you know anyone who's a member of Gym X, you can't go out. And that's kind of what's... So this has been the date, like, uh, Duncan Ballantyne's been posting loads on Twitter about his gyms being open south of the border in England, but not in Scotland. And just, you know, just, just wait until there's one COVID case in one of your gyms and the media are going to have a field day with us. Yeah, of course. And, do you know, in many ways, I'm... Like the government did, they did a pretty sound job of supporting most people. Um, I think the self-employed fitness instructor probably suffered um, because, you know, certainly think about the, the big gyms that I taught in. They just said, look, see you later. Thanks for all your hard work. Hopefully we'll need you back in the future. Um, there was no, you know, we're going to pay you for the next six weeks, six weeks of classes or, oh. or anything like that. And the government were like, great, if you have a premises, have 25 grand um but you know for me who works in the community i literally got zero i rented my bikes out which was awesome uh, people were so supportive and mm. it kept my business afloat which was awesome but realistically other than that i would have had no support um and i think that that's the problem a lot of group fitness instructors are self-employed and they need the gyms to open to get back to earning money but yeah. if, it, if it wasn't for that i would be almost supportive of what's going on in Scotland, keep the gyms closed a little bit longer so that when they open, they can open 100%. Hmm. None of this sort of, like, I mean, honestly, from my point of view, I I, I sort of hung back for three or four weeks after the gyms could open to see what happened, to see what the feedback was, to see what I could do better than they were doing. Um, And, you know, I feel like I'm in a strong position because I'm in a big hall. I can have three meters between bikes. I can account for who was on each bike. I can make sure they're clean before and after. I can make sure I've got all my cleaning products lined up, ready to go. Whereas a lot of gyms aren't going to be in that position because, you know, the turnover, the footfall is just so big, if you like, which is, it seems like a good problem. But in, in this case, as you said, it could be, you know, a case of a big gym. One member phones up and says, you know, sorry, I, I contracted COVID and I was in your gym yesterday and that gym is now in the media, shut down, probably yeah. going to be another, you know, realistically, it might only have to shut for two days to do the deep clean, but it's going to be maybe another month before people feel safe going back there, you know. Oh. And then what happens with people membership revenue during this time? You see, that that's the thing. I mean, you know, again, I'll not, we'll not mention any names, but gyms that have 4,000 members, how many of them are back now? Yeah. You know, I, sus- I suspect not a lot. And um, because the, the membership revenue is down, then, you know, I don't know. It's a scary time, to be honest. And yeah. um, you, you said about your business, obviously, you're not uh, able to do the corporate stuff. Um, yeah. I, I assume, well, it's better asking, you know, once that's able to happen again, is that what you want to do? Or are you now looking at other things? Um. So... I mean, you and I have talked a million times about my goals for business. And to be honest, you know, I have a goal, but I've never really put it into action. And I love education. And that's where that's where I see myself in 10 years time. So I think over the sort of four or five months that we didn't have a lot to do apart from Zoom classes, um, I spent time planning for that for the first time. And Sorry, did, you say, think about, did you say Zumba classes? Zoom, Zoom, not Zoom, but, but yeah, I mean, I am actually qualified as a Zumba instructor, believe it or not, so I, I know how to shake my hips. Um, so, yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, 
I'm happy with where my business is right now. Five or six of my own classes a week. Um, I don't really, I loved how busy I was pre-COVID. But now that I've had all this time off, I'm thinking, do I really want to be just work, work, work? I don't, if I'm honest, I want time to be able to go cycling, um, to, to go for a run if I want without feeling like I need to be doing work mm. um, and even playing golf. Um, waste three or four hours on a walk. Um, so I don't want I don't want to be sort of so again you know operating out of my van as I do there was times whenever I was driving to a corporate customer you know 35 minutes from my house and then rushing from there to you know uh, another customer 60 or 70 minutes away and now that I've had time to reflect on that whilst the money was good it didn't really balance out with with what I want um, and I, I think probably over the last four or five years, as as my business grew to the level where I wanted it to be, I was guilty of, you know, I didn't want to say no to customers because I didn't want, you know, you might never get them back kind of thing. Whereas now I'm just kind of relaxed about it and thinking, you know, I can only, there's only one of me um, and there's only a certain amount of work that I want to, to take on now. I really want to push forward with the education side of things. Um, although you know it, it's tricky i um i did uh, a phil graham one day seminar thing mm-hmm. and I, I i did it i mean i actually i really like phil um and i learned a lot from him but very much a lot of what he was saying was stuff that we all know it's just now putting it into practice and and i know that you um offer similar kind of workshops and things and i'm sure it's the same for you you're teaching people some new things but ultimately you're just giving them the boot up the butt that they need to to put into to action the sort of things that they've been planning yeah. and help them put that in action. Um, so one thing that Phil's done really well is sort of make people realize that they need to invest in their own, um, I mean, he, in their own business, but also in their own training, if you like, to become better, to establish themselves and make themselves better than everyone else. And for me, in the education of indoor cycling, I sort of feel like I need to figure out a way that I can make a Ricky Long or, you know, a Hannah Brown feel like they need to continue to to develop their training in a way that Les Mills have been hugely successful, you know. Yeah. Um, because I think in the fitness industry, you and I both know instructors who did an indoor cycle course 12 years ago and have never, ever did anything else with that except for teach classes. Um, so I need to try and figure out a way to break down that barrier and get people wanting to learn more and wanting to attend workshops and mm. um, continue to grow. And the, the scary thing is, whenever I look at what you do and what Phil do, you know, you're dealing with a massive part of the industry, but actually indoor cycling takes up a bigger market share than any other element of the industry. Mm. And yet we're dealing with people who haven't continued to grow their education, you know, so need to figure that out. And that's something I've been working on for the last three or four months. So any advice out there, please, uh, you know, feel free to get in touch and tell me what would make you want to do continued education for indoor cycling. There's loads in there I want to pull out. We'll come to that last point in, in a second. But it was kind of what you said at the start there is you've enjoyed this lockdown period. And I think a lot of people will be somewhere where they'll look at their life in general, but particularly their work, and they'll be like, that you know they'll get the phone call and say all right furlough's over you're coming back to work in 48 hours and they'll be like 
I'm not sure that's for me. So people are going to reevaluate a lot of things. And I think that's really, really healthy where people might then follow a passion or follow the same passion just in a different way about it. Yeah. Um, the, the second thing you said about, you, you know, I, again, this is all the coach does. And you were talking about Phil Graham. You, you were mentioning me in the same breath, which is flattering. All the coach does, whether it's business mentoring, whether it's personal training or whether it's PT, um, or, or sorry, teaching a spin class or a stages class or indoor cycling class, whatever I'm meant to call it, is you're just you're giving people the implementation. So a lot of people know the content, they maybe just don't know how to apply it or how to apply it for them. And then all yeah. the, that leads me on to your final point about well, what you you think about what do group cycle instructors want? So if you find out the answer to that question, so do they actually want to get better at teaching the classes i would question that yeah they probably want to have more classes because that would result in more money or get paid for one class which gives me the example of like you know soul cycle and obviously they're doing so many wonderful things and i know their instructors are paid really well so it's if you find out the two or three things an instructor a cycle instructor wants would probably be get more cash which probably means yeah. get more classes and probably means get more publicity. And how do they do that? Well, we know how do they need to do that. They need to be able to coach better. They need to be able to create better experiences. They need to be higher skilled on different types of cycle classes and, and rides and uh, personnel coming in. They'll need business skills as well, because if you want to be a, an indoor group cycling instructor and you're relying on just teaching in commercial gyms, well, you're only ever going to pay 20 or sorry, 15 pounds a class. So you need yeah. to have a little business acumen to, all right, you've, you hired a van, a van, what, 15 years ago? Then you bought yeah. a van, then you bought all the bikes, you stacked it in, so you're able to weigh up profit, loss, business plans. Whereas the standard instructor coming in off the gym floor, that's, that's a different language to them. So that's what they need, but it's not what they want. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's always stuck up in my mind with indoor cycle instructors, and most that I've met, they always want to be the best or they want to be renowned as the toughest instructor you know mm. and even now I, I look at some instructors who um i know locally and i see their social media and they're all like they love it when a client says you're the best instructor that was the <laughs> toughest class ever and i love it when they, they, of them say i'm the best i know you are you are yeah I, and it's funny because obviously that term the best um is so personal you know because Lisa probably does think you're the best because, you, you know, you were one of her first instructors. You guys obviously, you know, connected really well. And that's the thing. It's learning that connection is, is what actually makes you appeal to somebody. Um, but I, I, I just love, you know, hard isn't always best, you know. And it's funny that's because my good, idea... That's, that's a good tender <laughs> profile. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. There's a lot that can be learned from, uh, from that. Um, but you know it's something i think what i loved what i because you know i i was never a big fan of les mills but what i learned to love about les mills aside from the the requirement to continually educate was that you were teaching the same class as everybody else so to stand out you had to actually dig deeper to be a better instructor to connect more to um, use the music in a in a sort of more personal way um, you know, you had to become a better instructor because everything else was put there for you. So 
you couldn't be judged on your music. You had to be judged on everything else. And that's what I learned to love about it. I know that maybe sounds silly because a lot of people love Les Mills because, you know, they they learn the workout and that's all they've got to do. But I think about, you know, um, our argument Alan Turtle and put him and I together teaching a, exactly the same RPM class. He's going to stand out because he, he loves it for a start. You know, he really lives and breathes RPM. But also, like, he just, his communication through RPM is unreal. I don't know any, I mean, and I've been fortunate to to go to Les Mills Live and Les Mills One and um, and even in, in Toronto, I got to go to Les Mills Live. I've never met a, a better RPM instructor. And I'm sorry to any of the, the uh, master trainers or, or presenters that, um, that are maybe listening to this, but um, Alan is, I, is Alan lived anywhere else in the world uh, sorry anywhere else in the uk there's no doubt about it he would have been a les mills trainer presenter for at least 10 15 years yeah no doubt about it i mean he's passed it now because what age is he like 60 or something <laughs> <laughs> oh i know we'll listen can't, can't, to that. <laughs> yeah, we, can't, we, can't, we can't keep being nice about him that's the thing but you know he he is a standout les mills instructor and Whenever, but at the same time, and again, I'm, I don't know because I've never actually done one of Alan's freestyle classes, but I don't know if that would make him a great indoor cycle instructor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no doubt that he has the skills and most of the crossover skills, but um, yeah, I like to see his freestyle as well. See, see what Les, you know, you've already said it, what Les Mills do very well is they give you everything you need to teach a class and what the yeah. best instructors do the best les mills instructors do they'll add their personality on top of that or that you know whether you're when i say your personality if you know take me and Lindsay for example is Lindsay is an excellent technical coach when she teaches a body pump class for example whereas it's not that i'm not excellent at technique or coaching i'm excellent at um the connection with people and reacting to what's happening and yeah. it's not that Lindsay's not an expert in that. So it's just that, you know, it's back to what you said is some people could come to my class and say it's the best and the same person could come to Lindsay's class and say it's, it's, it's the hardest. Yeah. And it's two kind of different ways of complimenting. Um, and then I think, you know, do, do a lot of their peril, what a lot of Les Mills instructors have never been tested on is <laughs> what happens if, your gym gets rid of Les Mills and you've got to go and teach your own barbell based class or your own yeah. indoor cycling based class. What are you going to do? And there's a lot of them who might be very good at it, but there's a lot of them are just completely untested. So especially coming out of COVID where a lot of gyms might only have one or two programs or no programs. That's why there's a lot of fear and anxiety about what these guys and girls are going to do for their business. And, um, you know, th- that's where there is, space educational wise to create those sort of things you know i know will's doing very good things with uh chef will barton um he's doing yeah, really, yeah. really good shit with them um with, with them it's his company um <laughs> so you know yeah. you know he's seen that hole in the market um link up will link up yeah, well. I, I don't think he has anything cycle wise he, he, he does actually he has a program called ride uh which is great but again you know, you know, well, he's very dramatic, so it's a very sort of soul cycle esque dramatic style. Yeah. Oriental bike for class. yeah, completely. Um, and it's funny because a, a big gym that we know are going to launch, I mean, they, they've been the Les Mills products and they're going to launch their own classes. And I, I still laugh because 
I, I get to spend a lot of time in London with work and you know soul cycle works so well in London and when it comes to Dublin it'll work really well in Dublin but I can never imagine anybody teaching a soul cycle style class in Belfast because we, we wouldn't be able to do it authentically for a start um here's me what um you know um and also our our membership base in fitness facilities here they're not like everybody wants to go to the back row in Belfast. Nobody wants to stand out and do, yeah. you know, like the, it's, it's just our sort of our mindset. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope I'm proved wrong by, by the big company that are bringing it in here. But I think their first struggle is going to be getting instructors. And the first, though, uh, with your analogy, there are a soul cycle in Belfast. I mean, the first thing I thought the only place that will work is in the merchant. That's the only because like the merchant is just such for for those that don't listen. It's a like seventeen star, literally a seventeen star hotel based right in the centre of Belfast, where people go and will happily pay nineteen pounds for a cocktail, um, and that's just to smell it. It's not even to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that is the only place where I can see that. Where I'm trying to. I don't think it would work easily it's, it's... in any actual existing gym. Yeah, well, my, my, my cousin goes to SoulCycle in London, mm-hmm. and whenever it first opened in London, I said to him, how's it doing? He said, it's full of Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there's a big American um, sort of society, if you like, or community in London. But now, when it, if I said to him, you know, they've got three, I think, currently in London, it, there's more and more English people, because what's happened is they've maybe one or two have went along and enjoyed it, and then they've told their friend. And now that whole mindset towards having that party on the bike has changed a little bit. And now you're starting to see more and more party on the bike style classes pop up in London. So you've got Boom Cycle, you've got, um, you know, obviously Lloyd's have launched their rhythm in, in London. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But I just, we're, we're so different here. You mm-hmm. know, al- almost stiff mm-hmm. here um, when it comes to that. And it's funny because even though I would be more focused on power training, um, ultimately where I came from initially was like having fun on a bike that doesn't go anywhere, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I think it'll be hard to get instructors here would be the first problem. And by that, I mean, people would put their hand up and go, yeah, I'll take a class for 30 quid. Um, but to actually go about learning their craft and getting out of their comfort zone yeah. to be able to whoop and cheer and sort of flick their hair and all that kind of stuff. I I don't know. One thing that, I don't know if this is soul cycle themselves, but it's the analogy of boutique cyclists, indoor yeah. cycle instructors. What how they look to recruit is they want dancers and performers, and then yeah. they will teach them how to teach a class. Whereas in the yeah. fitness industry, we take fitness professionals really clever with coaching, A and P and technique, and then we teach them how to teach a class. Yeah. So they do it the other way around, which is why you know, we keep talking about SoulCycle. I know there's other brands out there, but it's why they have that experience. Like experience comes first. If you were to, again, this is me being critical from never having done a proper SoulCycle class. It's if you were to take the actual workout of a SoulCycle class, it's probably a six, seven out of 10. But you take yeah. the experience of the room, what the instructor can keep, it bumps that up to 10 out of 10 every single time. Big time. It's it's the atmosphere that they create and the experience that people get when they go. And 
you know, one thing always sticks in my mind from doing my RPM aim with Big Hugh. Hugh was like, right, Glenn, I was teaching a track six. Like, I don't want you to say a word for one minute. And for one minute, I was like, oh, no. You know, like, literally just my, uh, I, for one minute, I struggled to be quiet. And I did a soul cycle class in London where the instructor didn't speak for four minutes. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, candles lit, the lights go on, the music. And for four minutes, part of me was feeling a bit uncomfortable because why is he not talking? Mm-hmm. But the other part of me was going, this is actually quite an emotional experience here. This is sort of strange because it's an indoor cycle class. And, I, and I'm looking around, there's people sitting crying in the class. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is different. But then I got chatting to the instructor afterwards and it was only his third class for soul cycle. And before that, he'd been um, working in Broadway, you know. Oh wow! So you know that—that's the difference. He—he he was totally comfortable because he was just putting on a performance, mm-hmm. you know. And we don't think about our classes as performances enough. We think about our classes as you know um, a service. It should be a performance as well as a service, but but definitely a performance. I, I, that said, oh. I know that you put on a performance every single time. And again, that's what makes Ricky Ricky, right? It is, and it's what I was um, criticised for a lot back in the day, especially my early days as a Les Mills trainer. Um, whereas now I'm starting to get a little bit of credit for it, and people are looking at Marlon Woods, and he is he is like Mister Performance, and yeah. you know I, in some ways, I jealously look at him and the attention he gets, and I'm like, well, I've been doing that for fucking ages, and I actually got laughed off stage. Yeah. And you know, made fun of by my peers at one point. Like I, I've been doing it for fucking years because like that's what makes me want to come back to a gym, me want to come back to a class. It's it's yeah. how you feel. You know, I can I can make that quote now. Um our mate Phil does it very well. It's people don't remember what you say or do, they remember how you make them feel. Like I've yeah. always lived by that without knowing about that quote. You know, yeah. th- this is the reason, again, talking about our friends, this is the reason I love David Lloyd's and I would be a member of David Lloyd's Belfast because I love the feeling of going there and the experience I get and then coming back. Yeah. And if, again, not talking negatively about anyone, if I compare that to some other gym experiences in Belfast, I would pay the extra to go to David Lloyd's and, and that, yeah. that's what I would pay for. Um, and then coming back to what you just said is that's what makes a group fitness class and it's current right now i think that a lot of it's to do with social media is it's what makes a group fitness class a group fitness class it's that experience um i did a podcast about three months ago now with sarah um you really really like it she teaches for soul cycle in london um and it's really really good she's just gone back to teaching like in the last month obviously um so it's really really good it's about her journey and how she got a job and all there she moved from Leicester to London more or less specifically for more opportunity um she yeah. that. so it was really really interesting she comes from that you said about Broadway she comes from I want to say theatrical background um she yeah. probably won't thank me for that <laughs> <laughs> um, right before we move on to the last question which is the fun question is there anything else that I should have asked you is there anything else you want to chat about um, no, I don't think so. I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I've talked a lot of shit, so sorry for your listeners. Um, but, yeah, but we haven't in any way like called anybody shit. Yeah, <laughs> or provoked anyone. <laughs> I, I, actually, one, one thing I'd love to say just actually was, I mean, I, speaking of the, the fitness industry here locally, I'm so proud of how the instructors reacted 
to um to COVID, just witnessing how Zoom literally and and other products like that, you know, um literally overnight were lit up with people serving their clients. Mm. And there's no better way for, to say it, you know, because um people who were teaching on Facebook, people who were teaching on Zoom, they probably weren't making the money that they should have been. Um some might have just been taken over or whatever. Um but they they serviced a client base there that would have been sitting feeling sorry for themselves, eating crap, watching crap, wondering when the gyms are going to open. And locally here, I mean, I, I laugh because I I found out on the Wednesday that it was going to be my last class. And I did think, I mean, naively, I thought four weeks probably and we're going to be back. Um, and my first instinct was, right, how can I keep my classes going? I knew that you and I had previously spoke about Zoom and, and online offerings and stuff. And my first thought was right i need to get bikes to people and i spoke to a couple of people and they were like look charge this be brave charge this um so so i did i put it out there and literally within 24 hours i had 30 bikes rented out um which meant i had an audience for zoom but there was people out there who weren't even sure if they were going to have an audience and still um put on their classes and i, I look at then you know what i was seeing in england and a lot of the like boutique studios in england it was like two months before they were reacting and putting on classes for their clients or renting out their bikes or and I just kind of thought they maybe missed the boat a little bit um but also what about their clients they had to go somewhere else for their fix you know um and I just think locally our instructors were phenomenal I mean I can think of a few who were straight on it and you know the likes of Glenn and again Alan um they were amazing and I'm sure you know there's a little bit of them now, and I'm not talking about Glenn around here, but a little bit of those instructors who are thinking, right, and this is going to hit home with you, but why should I go back to teaching for £15 an hour whenever I was, you know, that gym didn't do anything for those clients. I did. And that's where I would probably encourage instructors now to think a little bit outside the box, to go to the local community centre, hire it, run classes, invite all those guys that came loyally to their Zoom classes and say, now is your chance to come and support me, you know. Um, and again, with a lot of gyms pulling the plug on their expensive licenses, um, I'm hoping, I'll, I'll just say it, I'm hoping Les Mills will now figure out a way to back the instructor. You know, maybe say, Ricky, okay, David Lloyds don't have body pump or attack. Um, how about you take a license? And here's what we're going to do, you know. And I think about how Beachbody operated at first whenever they hit the, the sort of... Um, live class market i hope that les mills do that um and i hope that and i don't i don't want to see any big gyms closed down but i stretch the imagination but i hope that we see a fitness revolution now where instructors can teach a body attack class or a grit class in their local community center and make the money i think i agree with so many things that you said there and i think back to the the what was said kind of early doors was a lot of people will be looking at what their job was before COVID and the prospect of going back to that should definitely 100% be looking at that slightly differently now. I'm not saying don't yeah. go back. I'm not saying go have a conversation. I'm not coming back unless you pay me more money. Definitely not saying that. They are saying evaluate what's best for you. Um, yeah. And then on your point with, you know, Les Mills and other gyms and businesses say 
now is the fucking time to look at your business model. And we we always use the term in business, future-proof it. You need to corona-proof your business model. And one of the things that gyms rely on and one of the things that Les Mills rely on is gyms being open. <laughs> if, if gyms are not open, those business models do not work. So now is the time to perform handbrake turns, create new business models, create um, silos. Um, I know it. I don't know if this is inside information or not. Right, I'll say this, and if I have to edit this out of the podcast after a check with Lindsay, um, instructor licensing is now being looked at like seriously. Good. Um, Good. It will be trialed, obviously, first in areas that um, perhaps doesn't have, uh, what's the term, high density of gyms, not gyms without Les Mills, just gyms in general. Um, So if I need to edit that out, that will be the point I'll edit out. (laughs) Um, So yeah, now is the time for every, not not just the fitness industry. How can you corona-proof your business? How can a coffee shop corona-proof your business? You know, there's so so many, you know, we're talking about so many fitness professionals starting to do things on Zoom. There were so many food businesses who suddenly got an account with Just Eat or Uber Eats. Yeah. It was the only way they could survive. (laughs) Of course. And, you know, I I heard here locally of a business um, who went down the road of home delivery for food Mm -hmm. and their business, that, that was a new element of their business. And it's grown so fast and to such an impressive level. That's now their business. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, that. that's how you adapt. And actually, you know, one thing that frustrated me was there were a few, as as always, there's always going to be a few negative voices in the background in the fitness industry here. And, you know, what I realized was those voices, and they were the guys shouting the loudest, of course, but they were the ones that refused to adapt. Mm. They, they just wouldn't do it. They were, you know, they were just holding tight and making excuse after excuse for why they couldn't do online classes or why they couldn't you know, run outside classes here. And you know, the thing is, there was a time there at the beginning of the ease of lockdown and when outdoor classes were allowed that people would have went out and stood in a thunder and lightning storm to do an exercise class because they were so thankful to be socially distanced with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, a. I mean, for me, I didn't because my bikes were rented out and also the logistics of pulling bikes into a field somewhere maybe doesn't work out. But at that stage, Zoom was still going really strong, so I didn't need to think about it. But I, you know, I just don't get why people weren't thinking about it. And one guy called me um, who was setting up a, a drive-in cinema in a rugby club, and he's like, "Do you want to do drive-in fitness?" And I'm like, "Yes, I want to do drive-in fitness. How good is that? What a great idea!" Um, you know, you got the big screen there anyway. You got somebody with a camera linking mm-hmm. you up to the big screen. People drive in, hop out. There's a space beside them. So every other car park space, they get out, they work out in their driving or the car park space, get back in the car and go home. That's that's phenomenal. That's how you adapt. That's how you continue to keep your business going. You know, um, I think the industry will change a lot from this point. And I think home fitness is always going to be massive now. You know, I think about some people who have invested thousands on their home fitness space. Mm-hmm. The chances of them going back to the gym anytime soon or slim but that makes it even more appealing for an online pt yeah because there's somebody who has a great gym but realistically probably doesn't know what they're doing how to get the best out of it i think those are the people who they'll, they'll, it's not that they won't go back to the gym 
it's they'll have a hybrid. They'll train twice a week in the gym and yeah. twice a week in their house. Um, yeah. And that's that's some of the big changes. And there's actually evidence of that, you know, back to our mates, Les Mills, is they know people who do higher so is it Les Mills on demand customers? Yeah, let me get it right. The majority of Les Mills on demand customers are also members of gyms. Yeah. It's not awesome. that Les Mills on demand is for people who don't go to gyms. Yeah. Which I find really, really interesting. And you'll find the same with all, all the gym kit that's being bought. Um, people people will probably just start using gyms. I say a little bit better. I mean, better for them. They'll either get better fitness results or they'll be going to the gyms for their social reasons and their crack. Yeah. And that. Um, right. This is the, we've done the stock questions with you before about, you know, books and um, what would you tell your 10 year old self and all of that. So the, the one for you now is if you had no followers and you had no job, you don't have that van, you don't have all your bikes, um, but you still had all the knowledge and qualifications you have and only 100 pounds, what would you do? This is a ridiculously, dreadfully hard question for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, because obviously Zoom worked really well, um, I am more on my online focused. Um, I've tried to pick up my game with Instagram and social media. And I think I would probably invest some of that on online advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't get advertising as cheap as you get it on Facebook or, or Instagram. So I'd definitely invest some of it on that. Um, I'd probably play a round of golf with some influential people. So that would maybe cost 25 quid. And the reason why I say that is because um, they reckon like 50% of the biggest business deals ever are done on the golf course. Mm. Um, pub. No, or in the pub. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. And I don't know what I'd do with the other 25 quid. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, would, tr- I would invest it. I would definitely try and turn it into a couple hundred pounds. And go from there. You know that's my mindset. Um, how I would go about doing that, I'm not sure, but yeah, definitely. I would, I would invest advertising, golf, and um, you know, trying to grow my brand or or start the brand again. And in many ways, as I said at the start of this, um, that's kind of where I feel I'm at a little bit. I, I know I'm not right back at the start, but I'm right back where I can do things my way now and almost treat it like a fresh start and and build the business in the direction that I want to build it in. What's good about that? I think it's the third or fourth time I've asked that question. And, you know, people who come on to my podcast always kind of um, come at that question the same way. They think, what can I do? How can I do this? Rather than, oh, shit, I need to go and get a job, deliver newspapers or something. They don't think like that. Um, And I think that is so important for anyone listening. You know, if your gym's closed down, if you're running out of Les Mills classes, um, think how can I, rather than, oh shit, I need to go and get a job, deliver newspapers, because not, not that there's anything wrong with those types of jobs, but think about what you want to do and how can you do it? And you just kind of learn on the way. You, you, you got, you know, just take Glenn, for example, you said you, you've been in the industry 10, 15 years to get to this point. If you were to start from scratch again, would it take you another 10, 15 years to get to the same point? No. definitely not no. definitely not and i think there's so many fitness professionals might think without you know it's the open and close mindset question you know, by, by carol dweck it's like how can i it's not oh shit that costs 100 pounds it's how yeah. can i afford 100 pounds 
there's a complete yeah. difference in that mindset and that and it just makes you think differently of course uh, right man this has been fun um what have you got next you. today um what have i got next today well it's my little niece's 16th birthday today so i um currently because i don't have any corporate gigs on tuesday i'm off which is great so it's a good day to do it um so i'm gonna head down and see my little niece for her birthday cool. that's it cool yeah. well wish her a happy birthday from myself and everybody who listens to the ricky long podcast i will indeed thanks very much for having me on i appreciate it you're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. Another episode done. Thank you very much for listening. Check out the GFI, the online PT course. Check out Body Core Trainer and check out Putting for Sport. Thank you. Love you. Bye. You are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.